is Nadine. This is John. This is Dan. And this is She's Not a Slut Yet. This is a podcast about three friends watching cult movies and drinking together. Before we get started, we just wanted to remind you guys, next month we're going to start reviewing only three movies a month. It's going to be a little bit easier for us with all our schedules changing around. John's got a new job. I got a new job. Dan's at the same job. <laughs> and then there's um, Dan. It's just me. I, I, I just, you included him in the conversation. Like, yeah, talking about us two. Oh, and then Dan as well. <laughs> All right, so this week we're going to be reviewing John's non-list pick, My Neighbor Totoro, which was released in 1988. This week, John is a bit of a sore throat, so he's going to be doing interesting movie facts, and I am going to do synopsis. Not as great as he would, but, you know, we'll give it a try. Nah, she doesn't have that same spunk and energy as my voice does, so. Nope. nope. <laughs> All righty, so Dan's going to start <laughs> us off with some box office stats. All right, so just some uh, box office tidbits about this this movie, My Neighbor Totoro. So overall budget, $236 million. Domestically, I, I assume this means it was what it made in America in its first run, mm-hmm. which is only $2 million, so. But uh, $28 million in internationally, obviously bigger internationally. Worldwide, $30 million total. So, there you go. Those are the uh, numbers. As far as awards, it was nominated for five and got two of them. It had two nominations and it won five awards. Nominations and wins are different. Gotcha. So, it was nominated for seven awards and won five out of the seven? I can be nominated yeah. for a beauty pageant. Gotcha. I know that, I probably wouldn't that, win it. That makes more sense. But anyway, as far as, like, how this movie is reviewed, 8.2 stars on IMDb, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics, and 94 for the audience, so pretty highly rated and pretty critically acclaimed. Oh yeah, um, so this movie is, this movie actually holds a rather nice place in my heart, I love Ghibli movies, but to talk about this movie, um, the film is partially autobiographical, when Hayao Miyazaki and his brothers were children. Their mother suffered from spinal tuberculosis for nine years and spent much of her time hospitalized. So because of that, it's implied, you ne- never really released, revealed or showed in the film, that Satsuki and May's mother also suffered from tuberculosis. He once said the film would have been too painful for him to make if the two protagonists were boys instead of girls. Now, speaking of those two girls, the names of the two girls, Satsuki and May, are a play on the word May, M-A-Y. Satsuki is an old Japanese word for May, and May, of course, is the Japanese spelling and pronunciation of the English word May. King Totoro is the mascot for Hayao Miyazaki Studio, Studio Ghibli, the theme park. On the original theatrical release in Japan, it was double featured with Grave of the Fireflies, another one of my favorite films. And the reason being, as the film was believed to be a too big of financial risk as a standalone release, which was proven later on. The tiny soot creatures living in the house also reappear in Spirited Away, which was released in 2001. Now, this movie, which is why it's on the cult classic, you know, the should be on list, didn't do well at the box office and didn't break even until about two years after the release when the stuffed dolls based on King Totoro's character, hit hit the shelves. This ended up becoming their movie, the mascot movie for uh, Studio Ghibli, just because of how popular it is now. Totoro is actually a species name. As seen in the movie, there are three Totoro creatures with different sizes and colors. During the 2005 World Expo in Japan, a classic Japanese house, modeled after Satsuki's and Mei's house, was built and opened to the public. Outside of the Japanese Academy Awards, which historically ignored animated films until 1998's Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro won an award from every major Japanese film award. The film is included on Roger Ebert's Great Movies list. He even went on to call it one of the most beloved of all family films. Dakota Fanning was born in 1994, six years after the film's original release, but joined the voice cast of the 2005 re-release, at which point she was 11. Yep. And also, I watched this in sub, not dub, so I don't really know anything or can't really explain anything about the voice actors for this for the dubbed one. See, I've only ever seen it in dubbed because when I first time I watched this movie, I was a kid. And then as an adult, this is the first time I've seen it as an adult. So I watched the original dub. 
which is done by Fox, I believe. And then Dan knows more about that. He did a lot of research on that. The, mo- the movie feels a lot different uh, as an adult than it did as a child. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it did. I felt it when I watched it. <laughs> All right. But before we get into that, Nadine, can you uh, take over my career and make over the movie synopsis for me? Yeah, I'm going to do the best I can. So the movie opens with a Kusakabe family driving to their new home as they approach their home. The father, I think his name is Tatsuo. I might be saying a lot of this wrong. Stops the truck to greet them. (laughs) You're not weep enough for this. (laughs) Nope. No, I am not. (laughs) From there, the family continues on their way until they arrive at their new home. It's a little bit run down, to be honest with you. Like the frame for the porch is very easily moved. (laughs) (laughs) The kids, the kids just basically pulled it down. Yeah. Yeah, almost. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna die right here, and the movie's gonna end. <laughs> and that's Only gonna be five it. Five minutes in, and there's already <laughs> death. All right. Anyway, so once there, the two young girls, May and Satsuki, run around the property to check out their new home. As the girls roam through their new house, they find acorns falling from the ceiling and soot sprites running around in their attic and bathroom. While in the attic, May manages to catch one of the soot sprites and runs down the stairs to show her sister. She gets downstairs, she meets one of her neighbors granny who tells the girls she used to be able to see sprites when she was their age and that they will eventually leave if the soot sprites deem them to be good people by the way i I do want to casually mention in this scene the way she slaps the sprites to their hand and how she comes down and then there's like soot everywhere on her hand and on the the tray it literally she literally slaughtered the the soot sprite murder it's just fucking it let, let a freaking ash trail and a corpse in her hands. Mm-hmm. Like, it just slaughtered mm-hmm. it. Yep. I thought the same thing when I saw that. And I was like, you know what? She's four. Let it go. Let's not think about it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, from there, the family and granny set out to clean the entire house because it's disgusting, by the way. Absolutely disgusting. And they set up the furniture for the house. As they do so, granny's grandson, Kanta, who has a bit of a crutch on Satsuki, comes to drop off a pie and informs Satsuki that her new home is haunted and then runs away. That night, a windstorm picks up, scaring the girls as they take a bath, and their father tells them to laugh their fears away, and as the girls do so, the soot sprites leave the house and fly off into the night. The next day, the family goes to visit uh, Yasuko, the girl's mother, in the hospital. While there, the girls tell their mom about their new house, which they believe to be haunted, and the doctors let them know that their mother can come home that weekend. The next day, Satsuki makes lunch for everyone as as her father had slept in again before running off to school, which he seems to have done a lot because he mentions that he might have done that a lot. But we'll get into that. And she runs off to school with her new friend, which I do not know the name of. While Satsuki is at school. I don't either. It's just some some girl. Rando. It's just a rando. Mm -hmm. So... While Scott C is at school and her their father works at home, May plays in the yard until she finds a trail of acorns in the yard. May follows them and sees a little ghost bunny. I don't really know what the fuck else to call it. Walking ghost through the yard. Bunny. That's one that's one of the Totoros. It is a Totoro, but he kind of looks like a rabbit, like an owl that's an that's it's a bunny at the same time. Yeah, we're going with ghost bunny. Anyway. Ghost bunny Christ. <laughs> Walking through the yard, May decides to follow it, and it leads her to the back back to her house, where she finds a slightly bigger version of the first one she saw, running away with a sack of acorns that has a hole inside of it, leading for a trail of acorns, basically. Of course, May decides to follow this Totoro. It's a bunny. It's a bunny, in my mind. And finds herself at a hidden tunnel in the root of the giant camphor tree in the woods behind her house. May follows down that tunnel when she reaches for an acorn and finds a giant sleeping bunny, which is really King Totoro, <laughs> at the bottom of the tunnel. May wakes up the giant Totoro long enough to learn his name is actually Totoro, uh, which is not really accurate, but that's all he tells her, so, you know. And then takes a nap with him and the others. So when Satsuki arrives home from school, she finds that May is missing for the first time, because this is the first time out of many that she goes missing in this fucking movie, (laughs) that she's missing and goes looking for uh, in the woods behind their house. And when she goes through those little little tunnel from the trees, she finds May sleeping by herself and actually scolds her for doing so. May lets her know that she met Totoro and she tries to take her to Totoro's hideout, which is the big camphor tree that's in the woods behind their house. However, the tunnel, when they take, she takes them through, just takes her back to her house every time she tries. And May gets upset 
and insists that she saw Totoro. Her father does calm her down and tells her she must have met one of the forest spirits. And that's the reason why she can't find him again, because he does not wish to be disturbed at the moment. The family then goes on a hike through the woods behind their house to greet the forest spirits. When they arrive at the camp for tree, the tunnel to Totoro's hideout is also gone. And again, her father tells her that it's probably because they don't want to be disturbed. So they give thanks for making them feel welcome to their new home and go back home to have lunch for that day. That night, Satsuki writes to her mother about the exciting day they had as Totoro plays an instrument in his tree with his spirit friends. Next day, while Satsuki is at school, May and Granny come to the school as May refuses to stop crying until she sees her sister, which I thought was a little ridiculous. Would never happen in American school. They'd be like, no, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Since May refuses to stay with Granny, Satsuki convinces her teacher to have her sister sit in class with her until the day is done. As the girls walk home from school, it begins to rain heavily and the girls seek shelter under a shrine. As they wait for the rain to stop, Kanta sees the girls waiting underneath the shrine and gives the girls his umbrella. Once the girls arrive home, they realize their father left his umbrella at home and decided to take it to him at the bus stop. On the way there, they drop off the umbrella, and for whatever reason, Kanta decided to lie to his mom and tell him that he left the umbrella at school, which makes her think that he broke it. Instead of saying, I lent it to someone who didn't have one themselves, which would have been, I feel like, made him look better, but he didn't do that for whatever reason. After the girls drop off the umbrella, they realize their father wasn't on the bus he was supposed to be on and decide to wait for the next bus to come. As they wait, though, Totoro shows up with the leaf on head as an umbrella while it's still raining. So Tatsuki, of course, gives him and her dad's umbrella, loves it, takes it with him when his bus arrives, which is a giant cat with like eight legs and rats for headlights. I love that bus. I the bus is my favorite part. Bus. Oh, can you imagine part. petting the bus? <laughs> can you imagine sitting inside of it? The inside oh is God. literally fur. It's, uh, I, I'd be so happy. Like an, that sounds like allergy season just waiting to happen, though. That's fair. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so just after the cat bus leaves, their dad's bus shows up. <laughs> and they're like, still in shock that the cat there was a cat bus. Their dad goes there and he's like, oh, you guys must have been so worried. Instead of being worried, the girls are really excited that they just saw Totoro. Just really excited they saw that crazy bus and tell their dad everything about what happened. The scene then shifts to show that Satsuki actually wrote a letter to her mother telling her about their visit from Totoro and the acorns wrapped in leaves that he gave them at the bus stop once they gave him an umbrella. Satsuki then tells her mom that they planted the acorns in her garden so they could have a small forest of their own. But the acorns have yet to sprout, much to May's disappointment. The scene then shifts again to show the girls sleeping in the living room. They are woken by Totoro and his two friends walking around their mom's garden. The girls rush outside to play with Totoro and the five of them dance around the garden, making the acorns sprout into large trees that combine together to make to create another camp for tree. After they make the giant tree, the five of them jump on a spinning top and fly through their neighborhood eventually landing at the top of the tree with the play instruments with Totoro. Not well, but they, they play them. <laughs> well, I mean, it depicted a four-year-old attempting to play an instrument exactly as it was supposed to be. Just literally horrific air noises. Pretty much. <laughs> the next morning, the girls wake up to find the giant tree is actually gone, but in its place are the sprouts from the acorns. To celebrate the acorns finally sprouting, the girls dance like they did with Totoro around their mother's garden, exclaiming that they thought it was a dream. Later that day, the girls had just gotten done helping Granny with her garden, which is more like a farm, when they receive a telegram from the hospital their mother is in. Thinking the worst, Satsuki runs to Kanta's uncle's house to call their father and finds out that their mother is not doing so well and cannot come home that weekend like they were promised. As the girl's father heads to the hospital to speak with the doctor, Granny stays with the girls and does chores with Satsuki. And at this point, Satsuki basically has a breakdown. Um, she says this is just like what happened last time. Her mother was said to have a cold and then she just didn't come back. And then she said, you know, what happens if my mother dies? Mm -hmm. May hears this full conversation and runs off trying to give the corn that she picked from Granny's garden because Granny had told her it would make her mother all better and gets lost. When both Granny and Satsuki realize that May is gone, Satsuki runs off to the direction of the hospital to find her and Granny has gathered a search party to try to find May. 
Though they had a brief scare when they found a sandal on the pond, no one in the search party could find May. And with a last desperate attempt to find May before it gets too dark, Satsuki goes to the forest and prays for it to lead her to Totoro so he can help her find May. Totoro agrees to help her find May and roars for the cat bus so it can take Satsuki to May. She eventually does find May in the middle of nowhere, still trying to take her corn to her mother. The cat bus surprises the girls and takes them to the hospital so that they can deliver the corn. When the girls arrive, they watch as their mother and father talk to each other and leave the corn, saying, it's for mommy, with a note on the corn, <laughs> on the windowsill of her room before leaving for home. The movie ends at that point, with Granny relieved to see May back, and Totoro playing music at the top of his tree. Okay, so this movie... Guys, I, I have to tell you, like, um, I've watched this movie before, and uh, the first time I watched it, I was much, much younger, and probably around the general age range to be watching this movie. However, watching as an adult, you know, I actually found a couple more uh, things about this movie that made it, I wouldn't say better, but more understandable as to as to why this movie is the way it is. So the f- the first thing I want you guys to know, especially Dan, um, when it this movie is, I know you're here. You just haven't said anything in half an hour. So, um, the first, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> love you, John. The, yeah, I love you too, bro. Um, the first thing that I have to say about this movie, though, is keep in mind that this is a traditional Japanese animated film, and around this period of time, animated films were becoming a very large thing in Japan. Um, and same with, uh, you know, around the time in America, a lot of the, a lot of the biggest animated stuff came out around in this period of time. Um, so they were trying new styles, the two movies that, and Studio Ghibli's always had a theme with their, uh, with their films. And that is positive vibes, you know, it's a positivity type of thing. And in this particular movie, um, and you know, in the, in the foreign Japanese aspect that they did it. Um, this movie focused a lot on positive um, emotions during a time that is very rough, right? And Totoro is supposed to be this, um, you know, yeah, it's a tree spirit. You can read it at face value. But really, it's supposed to be the embodiment of positivity during the moments that they were at their worst, right? So just like Nadine pointed out, like, you know, their mother, or sorry, she wrote in that I read, their mother had, you know, let's say tuberculosis, but there was a disease that she couldn't get out of the hospital from. Their dad was working their ass off and everything like that. And they're just two kids that moved to the countryside, probably so they could afford paying for their uh, mother's hospital bills, you know? So it is a very rough time for like a four-year-old and 11-year-old, whatever their ages are. So the Totoro is supposed to be this embodiment of positivity that comes in on every scene that's supposed to be the most difficult scenes for them. And it's supposed to help them through. And the entire moral of the story is to have that optimism and positivity moving forward because it eventually will, you'll get through to the end no matter what. You can face what's to come. Or, you know, the corn on the windowsill at the end. That's, that, like, and I I, I have to say, Dan, like, I always prefer animated films because it's much harder to make an animated film which means a lot more effort goes into an animated film more so than usual when it comes to a uh, you know a regular you know let's let's hire a couple of b-rated actors and throw them into a movie that my cousin wrote when he was drunk and 17 in high school you know like this they had 250 million dollars or so of budget that went into this type of film so, and, well, I I'll, uh, I don't want to keep just mind ranting out. I have a lot more to say, but don't you kind of agree with me a little bit here, man? And uh, focusing it towards you, because I kind of have an idea of what Nadine's standpoint is. So, so this is, to me, my response to that. As far as what I think about this film, like, it didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. I... It felt like I was just kind of watching like a Nick Jr. cartoon for the most of it. A lot of parts were obnoxious. It was the art was artwork was beautiful. Like visually, it stands the test of time. It was pretty to look look at it, but it's like but watching it as a movie was difficult for me just because it's so much of it is whimsical, like kind of mystical kid scenes versus like this kind of like dramatic. Like it it felt 
like it was just a little imbalanced to me. It felt like it was a kid show. There were some kind of like meaningful storylines underlying that like I was kind of interested in, but like it didn't really give me enough of those characters on the peripheral to kind of like really latch onto it. And I get it, it was a kid, it's meant for kids. And that that aspect, like I just as an adult watching it for the first time, I, I couldn't grasp onto it. So I have to say, based on that comment alone, Dan, I can tell that you're never gonna like any Studio Ghibli movie. Well, you're and not that... gonna you're not gonna fall in love with any of them, and it's just, and you're you're fine to have that opinion. I just have, I just disagree. It's like... not entirely true though, because Studio Ghibli movies, there some of them have a lot more adult themes. This is just one that yeah. did not have one. Like I've seen Spirited Away, I've seen How's Moving Castle, and there they have more adultness to it. This does have more childlike serenity to it. I've even seen some of his more earlier stuff for my history classes when I was, you know, for for art, Asian art, and even that, which was very simplistic because it was not about anything that he written. It was about you know like their you know mythology. It still had some adult aspects into it that made it a little bit more graspable. Whereas this one, as a child, I remember watching it and I remember fucking loving this movie. Unless I'm high now, right, I well. would not be able to do it. Because it's I'm watching it and it's too, it's too childlike. It's too much like me sitting there with my nieces and watching their kids stuff. And I can't do that. Level. That's that's the thing though. You know, like what we mentioned a couple of uh couple of episodes ago. And it's the uh if you can sit down and watch this movie at face value and not remember what it's like as a child, what will you think of it, right? Because right. Dan's whole Dan always has like, Oh, I remember this ki- I remember this when I was younger. I'm gonna give this a nine out of ten because I remember it. Um <laughs> I like, it like one time. But... <laughs> yeah, I know. Um but uh I have to say that the even though I've watched this before Watching again, I still I still enjoyed it just as much. I I think it's a. But you didn't watch it as a child, though, right? Like I did. No, I did watch it as a child. I watched it when I was like uh, eleven or twelve. I just don't remember I it that it well. Younger than that, I was. Uh, I think I was like five or six. I watched it for the first time. Yeah, like I. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm. I'm considering that it clearly was not made for adults to watch going in as an adult not watching it like with a kid no this is the every single one of studio ghibli's movies are supposed to be family movies yeah the, and that's that's the entire yeah. theme of what they do um you sit down with your entire family and watch them with only like one abse- exception which was the the movie that was paired with this one that was released um and that movie was that movie was actually based off of world war ii right and the mm-hmm. bombings and go and it's a really traumatizing movie. I wouldn't I wouldn't actually recommend watching that one alone. Um, but this uh this this movie is supposed to be a family movie and they, they follow that with every single one of their movies released after. Which actually I which brings me to another point I wanted to mention. You know how uh you were talking about the box office stuff, right? Yeah. Um two hundred and fifty million dollars, right? For them only to get back thirty million. That is ridiculously bad, you would think. Uh-huh. But, and just like uh, you've mentioned, this is one of those movies that later on became much more than what it is now. Yeah. This this is their pretty much their magnum opus. Like, Not... if you think of Studio Ghibli, this movie comes to mind. Yeah, and I, I think that's, like, I, I recognize, like, the, the big bunny-looking thing with the umbrella and the little girl, which is funny because, like, that... That picture you'd see of, like the poster for the film, is Them actually standing in the rain. But the the girl is actually not either of those girls. Yeah. Um, it, but like it's it just it's it's an iconic it's, image. It's, that, I thought like, it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nadine. I thought it's supposed to be May when she's slightly older. I think so. To be honest with you, yeah, but yeah. I couldn't give you a definitive for that. Uh, yeah, I believe that is for my like little bit of like diving into like internet searches is like it was it was actually some concept art for the film 
where mm-hmm. it, and then and like they they were originally going to have one girl as like the protagonist, and then they split into two girls. Yep. So it's kind of like a she has features of both, but like it's they it's just an early concept photo. Mm-hmm. So. The one thing I wanted to say, John, is what I was trying to say earlier is that just because it's a kid's movie doesn't mean it's not something that someone can enjoy. I enjoy Disney movies. They have adult aspects. They're completely family movies. They have a lot of family movies that come out now that adults enjoy, like Shrek is another one. You know, you've got Brave. I liked Brave. I liked Tangle. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They're they're good. But this is for an age group of children that's specific a very specific age group. It's not a blanket age group. And it does not have any adult themes inside of it, except for a couple that would go over the kid's head and probably wouldn't attract an adult audience because they don't delve deeper into it. To be honest well, with you. And I I 100% agree with you. This is a very kid-oriented film. Keep in mind, I said uh, this is a foreign film from Japan. What is Japan extremely focused on? What 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 word do they use? I think it's like moe or something like that, where it's like supposed to be cute and as young as possible. This film is literally beloved over there, and you know I, and just because of those aspects, it, it's focusing on that you know kid type of thing. But right, um, which makes to, sense to delve away from it because that is a loophole we'll never get out of. Um, because I can already tell that you guys have a slightly differing opinion to me. Um, I want to bring up something. Dan, the art style. Dude, that art style is amazing, isn't it? Um, I, I won't say it's amazing. I mean, it was, it was well done animation. And, like, it was, I could tell, like, a lot of time and resources went into to animating it. But, like, I think you could say that about any... Disney film in the last like seven years. Dan was the wrong person to ask because my yeah, minor was okay, a fucking I'm Asian to, art. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to redo this and switch it over to you, Nadine, because the answer I got totally did not was not in my expectations. I'm sorry I didn't give the answer you wanted. You just compared it to Disney. How dare you? <laughs> well, well, it. I. I'll, it is not Disney. Don't don't you start it there. I'm not uh, saying it's Disney. It's, I'm just saying it's like it. It's it's an a great animated film i'm just saying it's go 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 i'm just gonna nadine this is the type of stuff that you like studying into not this of course but as you said asian art history Um, yeah and i actually studied studio ghibli films specifically there was a class that i had to do for it honestly his animation style is insanely well done the way that his the water moves, you know, when you look at it, the way you mm-hmm. have the details go, even if you don't like the way it looks aesthetically, like maybe that's not your style of art. When you look at the way that it's animated, it's done beautifully. Specifically, I want to go to water. Water is something that's not easy to do in a film, and they somehow manage to make it look clear, but you still know it's moving, running water. That's not easy to do. It's it's very hard. It's not. In fact, that rain scene was one of the first scenes in a lot of animated history where they actually got water to be shown correctly in in the rain, right? It made it look like it was. If you looked at older um, Disney, they just had like, like someone just drawing lines on a screen and then having it fall down, like it was pretty horrific. I, I, um, I will, I will say that that like that was the one scene where I had to like I like took a moment outside of the movie. It was like, wow, that's that actually looks like very realistic rain in in like nineteen eighties movie animated. So again, I, I I haven't studied animation or like art history, but I I guess like the water movement kind of makes sense is like why that makes it stand out other than from like other animated movies but it's not just the water movement it's the way the people move they move with such flow to them that it doesn't make it look like it's an animation it looks like it's possible that a human being is moving the way that they're moving if you look at yeah that's hard it's such a studio ghibli thing though and you want to know why that is nadine these are all hand-drawn every single scene in this was hand-drawn first before then it was digitalized with computer uh, rendering and well, they it, do that with a lot of stuff, it, even earlier to this, but specifically for the way that he does it, it's not even just because 
they did hand drawings. You got to remember, they didn't always have it digitalized. They did hand drawings and they would flip the paperwork. And that's how you would have it done. He has it to the point where he had to have studied for hours and hours on end the way that humans move. That he just watched them. And then he tried to recreate it. And he didn't stop until he got it to the way that it was what where he felt was perfect. You know? And that's insane yeah. that he took the time to do that. Well, it shows how much dedication, you know, went into this movie. And you saw his original standpoint and what we said, you know, him talking about his kids that had, uh, you know, health issues or something like, or his, whatever it was, how, it was he his mother. His, how he related to this movie. Yeah. You know, so he obviously poured a lot of emotion and effort into it. But, you know, this, this movie really, I mean, have, have you guys seen any, I'm, I'm not even going to have you, Nadine seen any um previous studio ghibli movies before this one i see i can't remember what it's, it, it's called but it was before he had studio ghibli it was one of his earliest works and it was about japanese mythology it was actually one of their specific stories and i remember seeing it It was much different artwork than what he has now what you know so as studio different. ghibli and it, it was actually very well it was very beautifully done i i, I wish i could remember what it was called off the top of my head, but it was a really good, it was a very good movie. It was a short, it wasn't very long. Same thing though, like the way he animated it, it, and that, and that particular one, it was a homage to original Japanese style artwork when they had the inks and things like that. And the way that he made it flow, the way that it was a very light colors to portray the kind of story that he was going for made it very different than what you're seeing in my neighbor Totoro, and it the, the way you made it feel, the way he's doing the artworks now with those kids' movies, it it the difference is there for sure, and you can see the evolution. But the the just the 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 artwork to uh, to finalize this part because um this this movie has a lot of different sections I do want to mention, but um to finalize the artwork part, um the artwork of this movie is literally the thing that makes this movie so good. It is its number one redeeming quality. Um, outside of, of course, its story and all those things, the artwork is... When this came out, um, I'm not surprised it didn't do so well. But at the same time, I'm also surprised it didn't do so well at the same time because the artwork was just so amazing. It just, they didn't... It, I think it was an advertiser thing. They weren't advertising or something similar. But they knew it wasn't going to do well. Honestly, artwork doesn't mean shit for most people. Like, you could have really great artwork. Uh, it matters for people me. Aren't... That's probably why. Yeah, it matters uh, well, that, for you. Thing, but like, I Artwork, to me, like, it's like it's cool, but it's not like... It's a means to tell a story. I see yes. it as its individual, its own story. How much effort and pain was made to make five-minute scene. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not just I'm not trying movie. to describe like the, the animators and like the time that it took to actually make the movie. I'm just saying like it didn't draw me in the way someone that's like a, an animation fan was drawn in. And like that's or an art fan in general. Or, or an art <laughs> fan, yeah. Like I sure. I like art. I just don't look for the little nuances that make it something that's yeah. beautiful rather than just like good to look at. Yeah, well a, we need a differing opinion in here. So that's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> um so to uh to to tr- to tread over into a different spot um uh there's one last thing i i actually wanted to bring up and that is the music score for this movie um well done actually oh, i would say what <laughs> i liked it i thought it was cute it so when you think of the music score of this movie right you yeah. think of the uh the the starting song the Totoro mm-hmm. song. Yeah, the, the, there's like this starting song and like I think another song towards the end. Like the Totoro song was annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Well, but I, mean, I feel like it's perfect for the movie though. It tells you what you're gonna get from end to beginning, and I feel like they put that in there well. That movie. Otherwise, I wouldn't like if if it's anything like I don't like it. I'm not saying I enjoy those songs. I'm saying when you go in from that first song to that end song it tells you exactly what you're coming oh, yeah. into trust me I, I i told you right away i was like i feel like i'm looking looking at a nick jr show what's going on right now so i brought this up because i knew you guys were gonna have that opinion did you guys notice any of the other music in between the start and the end 
Did you know you didn't no. notice any of the scores, the music scores that were happening in the background? Any of I might the... have at some point, but then this? I stopped. This Actually, was... no, I, I do remember some of the music and it it reminded me very much of Legend of Zelda. Like Well yeah, I mean kind of like little... it is kind of gamey music, but it's yeah, like it's that's... more faint, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it, that's that. That was the one thing that struck struck my one of my nerves. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of cool." But well, I I brought it up too. On top of that reason, Dan, um, because the music in this movie, none of it was really a hit, right? None of it in this no like nobody's going to search up the name of some of these songs like. Le vent d'amatine. Like, it's, it's, it's like, no. Um, but a lot of this was orchestra. Um, it was classical-based. But it blended so well with the movie that you barely noticed it, but it enhanced the experience a little bit. So you have... And if you listen to these songs by themselves, you, you'll, you'll immediately notice why I'm, I'm bringing this up. Um, but... With with like the different dubs, I, I don't know if you know anything about this. Like, I'm I'm cu- curious to see like how much of the music kind of transferred with each translation or each dub. Well, they I mean they kept the music. They okay. kept the, because none of it was singing, right? They still yeah. kept it, but the opening song was butchered to like literal whatever the heck it was now from the dub. But that's something entirely different. This again, this is a kids' movie in America too. Yeah. Um, but. And remember, I watched this in Japanese, not English. So I don't really know. It's a different experience in Japanese. It really is. Um, so the the music, I'm bringing it up again because you have this amazing, fluid, almost realistic 2D art style that's very hard to recreate. Um, that Studio Ghibli mat, like basically confirms as their style moving forward with this movie. Um, that everyone can recognize. And then you also have this wonderful arrangement of music that is blended into this movie. And I'd say, you know, the only real downfall of this movie is that it isn't geared towards a wider audience. They knew what they were making. They knew exactly who they were targeting towards, and they went all out for it. Can't fault them for it because they managed to absolutely succeed towards that target audience. It just happens to be that I'm 24 and I'm watching a movie meant for 10-year-olds. So, you know, younger. It's, it... <laughs> it's, it's younger. It's like six-year-olds. <laughs> so, and, and I'm 34 watching this for the very first time. So. And that's the ridiculous thing. They didn't need to put this much effort into a movie for kids. They really didn't. But they still came up with their, their literal magnum opus. This is what they're known for by making a kid's movie. Name one kids movie in America where that happened. None. There, there is, there's, there's, there's not a kids movie that's similar. There's things you remember well, but there's not a kids movie that's similar to this one. But that I'm sure there is. But, but oh, we can't uh, think of it off the top of our head. <laughs> aha, I got you. But that's my, uh, that's my three talking points. I really wanted to bring up. This is a foreign film. Don't look at it like a, a traditional American film. Um, right. the music and the art style. There's there's other things too, like how much I hate the dub and how much it makes everything sound just that much stranger. Oh, I, I got a reason why I hate the dub even more. But Dan's going to give you some information on the dub actually right now because there was two <laughs> English dub versions and he's going to let you know what happened with the fucking first one. Go ahead, well, Dan. All right. all right, so the, the first English dub was the... It's known as the Fox dub and it was, uh, it was actually heavily monitored by Miyazaki... Um, because apparently there was another Miyazaki movie that was just butchered by English dub, which was Warrior of the Wind. Yep. But the uh, one of the notable cast members was Cheryl Chase, who also voiced Angelica in Rugrats. And funny enough, even though it was eventually produced by Fox, originally it was picked up by 50 Street Films, which is a branch of Troma Entertainment, it was really odd at the time because it was known for some B-rated movies such as Class of Nukem High, Night Beast, The Toxic Avenger, and Surf Nazis Must Die. Oh, no. <laughs> so they were responsible. Oh, no. They were partially responsible for uh, I didn't my neighbor bring Totoro. into this conversation. You did. I, I did this on purpose. When I saw this, I was like, I have to mention it. 
So there you go. You know what really is starting to piss me off, Nadine? Why does it? How do we always manage to find a trace of Serge Nazis Must Die in everything we watch? Okay, so that's you. You're like, okay, this movie. Usually, it's you just just busting my balls. Well, no, we found a literal trail to Serge Nazis Must Die. Like that is a glowing red trail. I'm starting to think it's like a you know string theory, and then Surf Nazis Must Die is the center spot of the universe. You know what it is. You know what it is. It must be the reason why Surf Nazis Must Die still lives among the cult classics because whatever studio fucking did it, all the other cult classics, or at least half of them, were done by the same studio. <laughs> it, they still exist today. They, have, they got like a Facebook page, Instagram, and everything. Tromo Studios is like, like any shitty B movie they they produced. So, well, I'm I'm miffed that you even brought that up, and I'm kind of amazed at the same time. But it doesn't surprise me because it got redubbed again. And the the redub yeah. is I've heard is substantially it's substantially better. Yeah, I've heard it was substantially better too. I can't remember what the original one was like because it's I I was a child when it first came out. So when I like first watched it, so I mean as an adult I watched the new dub. So eventually maybe I'll watch the original dub. Probably not. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I I do want to do want to say this uh, again though, Nadine like. This this movie it it makes me sad that we watched this movie so quickly, but I did wanted to I did want to watch this one first, and no one else steal it because this movie is is really a and I it's not on the same level of appreciation for other movies that I've watched, of course, but this movie is is a is a masterpiece in its own right, and I it definitely deserves a slot um and you know animation history for that for basically the movie and how it's written and how it's drawn this this movie led a lot of animators to see this as one of the best movies of all time on how it was drawn and made and even even now people will bring this movie up when talking about animation just like you said um while you were taking classes because this is such an iconic animation and it's so strange to to be talking about cult classics whether or not they should be on the list and we bring up a movie like this, which made over $1.5 billion in 10 years. When I saw it, I was like, oh, I got to dive on this. This is my opportunity. And, you know, I'm finally going to watch a movie I really, truly enjoy. And I know I will. But Requiem for a Dream is a, is a masterpiece, too. But this movie is just something else. I knew I was going to love it. So get past the art portion i do want to mention something so apparently a lot of people are really confused about the ending of this movie there are apparent there are two theories i think the one theory sounds accurate because you kind of it's just basically this movie is what is what it is and based off of what he usually produces i would say the second theory is the one that's correct the first theory that people usually believe might be the possibility for this movie makes it kind of bleak, to be honest with you, which is that when May ran away in the movie, she actually died and because she was never found. And Sotsky's mom actually died, too, with from whatever terminal illness they believed her to have. Uh, Totoro in the movie for this theory was Sotsky's way of dealing with the deaths. So she would imagine this whole other world happening so that she could grasp losing two of the most important people in her life. I don't think that's the accurate portrayal of this because I don't think... No, that's fucking horrible. (laughs) It is horrible. It's hard to support, too, with the way that the movie goes. On top of that, if you know the movie maker, the guy behind the whole story and the artwork, you know for a fact that's not usually how his vision goes in any of his movies. So the second theory is the one that I actually think is the one that's right because it just makes more sense for him. And for the second theory, it's basically that Toto is real and that children can see more than adults. He's portraying in this entire movie that... The adults may not be able to see the spirits of the of the forest or the sprites um, or anything like that because when you become an adult, your worldview becomes more close because 
you learn more. Whereas a child, your mind is open to everything because you're always constantly trying to get new information in. That's what happens when you grow. So for them, being able to see Totoro, being able to see the soot sprites, being able to see the cat bus, it just makes sense. And it's even supported in certain different areas. Like for one, when the kids drop off the corn on the hospital window for their mom, it has a message written on it. So they totally did get there. The sister didn't die if that was the case. How else would they have gotten there that quickly after her finding her sister, unless they actually were taken by the cat bus? You know, they also have the sprouts coming up from the ground with the small little forest in their backyard. Yes, at night, it was a giant tree, but maybe that it was because that was what they were supposed to fulfill once they grew up to the size that they were supposed to be. The fact that they had a magic dance and Totoro was the only time that they actually started to sprout. It didn't sprout before then. It was because they needed Totoro to make the sprouts come out of the ground. Things like that. It just kind of makes it look like that what they're seeing is real. Same thing when she killed the soot sprite. She had the soot all over her hand after she smacked it in her hand together. You know what I mean? So like it just, the second theory makes more sense because it's more proven in the movie. And if you look at the way that that particular artist, director, whatever you want to call him, because he's pretty much all of it for this movie uh, and most of his movies, I think, you know, he does not ever have those visions ever like that are that dark. Speaking of the second second one as well, keep in mind too that there's a lot of subtle hints in the movie, a lot of them that the adults know that there's something there. That, exactly. Like a lot of subtle hints. For example, when the tree is grown, their dad is working with his door open, maybe not perfectly being able to see what is going on, but knowing that they're out there. And right when it starts to grow and the tree grows to be this giant tree, it right before it starts growing fully, it shows their dad pause for a second, smile, and then start writing again. Like they, the, the adults know that there's something going on, but that also has to do with the, you know, traditional Japanese culture and folklore when it comes to spirits and various different entities, you know, of nature. Like that's it's a very heavily tied in traditional Japanese movie. So. Like of course they're going to they're they're going to write it as if it's real. They're not going to write it as if the mother's imagining this entire uh, you know Satsuki's imagining this entire thing to cope with the death of her family. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I thought that was a horrible theory too, but you know it was worth mentioning just simply because it's, a, it's, it's out there. You know what I mean? Rule theory. But there was another thing that I wanted to mention too before we move on to the next section because we do have to get over there pretty soon. We're running a uh, kind of far on time. I did notice they do have small hints that the dad might be a little depressed. He sleeps in a lot. Apparently, he mentions it in the movie. Oh, I'm sorry I slept in again when Satsuki was making them lunch. Um, it does seem like his over-positivity, you know, it's too positive, even for Studio Ghibli to a point, uh, simply because it seems like he's trying to use it as a way to cope with the fact that he's raising two kids on his own while his wife is in the hospital. tuberculosis could be a terminal thing. So the fact that, and if that was actually supposed to be her disease, but that's hinted that that was more than likely what it was, you know, the fact that she was in the hospital for as long as she was, she may not get better. Maybe she would die. Maybe she would get better. They don't know when she's going to get better. Him having to take care of the kids and do the finances, them having to move to make sure that the mom is more comfortable with where she's at is probably a lot of stress for him. And you can see it in small little actions throughout the movie. Yeah, that's that's something I definitely noticed. And, like, I think I mentioned, it was like, this dad's, why is he so positive about his kids being absolutely obnoxious? And then you kind of, like, learn more about the story, like, the mom's sick. And then, like, you kind of see, like, subtle hints of where he gets, like, a little grumpy. And, like, it, it's something that's very subtle. Keep in mind, though, dude, kids are not going to be noticing this. Yeah. When they watch this movie. They're just going to see it as this happy, bubbly... Yeah fantasy movie while you know for the adults they actually see all the other you know darker shit in regard to this movie and you know the movie does show that a lot and it's 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 there but <laughs> what what I, what, I, what i think is worse is like later in the movie like when uh sutsuki is like going into like the, the the boy's house and like her mom's like oh yeah my my son's such a dirty kid or something 
it right? I thought it was fucked up. <laughs> she like shit talked her kid right in front of his crush. <laughs> I was like, damn, ma. <laughs> After she was like returning his umbrella, he's like, oh yeah, like it's it's dirty. Like he's he's very dirty. Like, like all right, wait a. Being an asshole. I fucking love it, but Nadine, right. I do think we should uh, we should hop over to the rating stuff. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're probably going to edit out like half of this, but still, we should probably get over there because we're almost at an hour. So, is it or isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it's, I definitely think this is a cult classic. Like, it's it's an exemplary movie of this this specific genre of a style of animation that's that speaks to a lot of people. And obviously, like, there's been two dubs in English to bring it over to like a brighter broader audience. So, I think it's definitely a uh, a cult classic. Um, I, I actually want to add on to that for mine, uh, Nadine. Of course it is. And the moment they knew that they were going to be having to release two movies at once, the moment they had to release, they had to co-release two movies because they knew that wasn't going to do well, I immediately, it immediately became a full classic. In fact, both of those movies did. Wow, that was perfect timing. <laughs> every, every time, man. But... Um, the the movie is absolutely a cult classic, and the nature of the release, um, how little people watch this movie, how poorly it did in the box office, following a very large success um, over time, yeah, absolutely yeah. it is. Um, I agree, actually. I think it's a cult movie, too. The fact that it wasn't on the list is kind of crazy. I was wondering if maybe it's because it's a Studio Ghibli film, but like it did so bad at first that they actually they, they knew it was going to do bad. They released another movie with it that did a lot better just so they wouldn't lose money. The fact that it only made money when they released those plushies for Totoro, and then it started to gain popularity where people and kids and things like that were actually like watching the movie, totally makes it 110,000% a cool classic. You know? It, it, in my mind, it should have been on the list in the first place. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why when I saw it and it was a list pick, I was like, what? You know, this movie isn't on there. You know that? I, I'm starting to realize, Nadine, that the IMDb or whatever list that, that was compiled from these different websites, they're all fucking horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, it is it is absolutely cult classic for all three of us. Then. 100%. There's no way that it's not. It doesn't make sense for it not to be a fucking cult classic, and I don't understand how it wasn't one to begin with, just because of it, the way its success went, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's the classic tale of a cult classic. Like, it doesn't have initial success, kind of like down at first, not hugely marketed has like a groundswell and it turns into like this global phenomenon where people that appreciate animation say this is like a staple all right let's talk dan and i'm I'm gonna keep my eye on you for this one <sighs> you really want me to go first yes you are what did you rate this movie all right i'm gonna just be straight up and say this movie was a four for me i did not this, this movie did not enter my life at the right time. I watching it, like it. There were moments, but like for the most part, I felt like I was waiting for something to happen for the first half. The second half, I was waiting for it to be over. Like it just. You rated this the same as Surf Nazis Must Die. No, I think Surf Nazis was a three, but I, I don't know. It. Dude, it's... you rated it one <laughs> above that. Oh my. It's same studio. <laughs> I knew I was gonna have to get. I knew I was gonna get angry. Nadine, okay. what'd you choose? What what's your rating? Not gonna like my rating either. <laughs> oh no. It's not below a five. It's not below a five. So it's it's a six for me. And the reason why is when I was a kid I watched this movie and I fucking loved it. And I think coming back as an adult and not having watched it since I was a child made it a little bit more difficult for me because I'm comparing it in my head. Of what I used to, what I watched, you know, it's like anytime you watch a, car a cartoon you watch when you're a kid, you watch it as an adult, unless it's one of the ones that, you know, kind of stands the test of time, you're like, what the fuck was I watching? This movie doesn't have the what the fuck factor, but it definitely is like, okay, this is more geared towards someone who's a lot younger. I'm not going to have as much interest as an adult. It's a great movie for kids. It, unless you're really into that kind of style, it's not a great movie for you as an adult. So for me, it's a six just simply because of that. Uh, and I, that is, 
very very reasonable um and you know i i entirely understand your viewpoint then um i'm gonna give it well first i just have to mention it's a studio ghibli movie that basically means it's an eight so it's an eight like that's just point there like it flat lines at eight once you say studio ghibli i'm like oh it must be an eight then and then if it's a really good studio ghibli movie it goes higher but like this this movie has so much to it from this uh an amount of inspiration that it was given and how much came from this movie i personally enjoyed it um and uh, you know there's just so much to dig with this movie there's so much stuff that you can remember from this movie like i guarantee dan is not going to ever forget this movie i i almost guarantee it there's always in fact he didn't he he remembered parts of the movie even though he never watched it i'm just gonna say that right now i mean i watched so it I'm, yesterday I'm give it an eight. <laughs> well no before then you were like you, you were like yeah i always saw parts of this movie and i always remember yeah. these parts like it's a very memorable movie for what it is. It's more like stills and like little clips, but I I I see what you're saying. But yeah, this it's a Studio Ghibli movie. Studio Ghibli does not release bad movies. It is an eight. Okay. Like they just they just don't like at all whatsoever. All of their movies are good. All right. Um. Would we recommend this movie? I am going to start and just say, duh. Yeah. Of course I would. Like, just, yeah, like, I already explained myself. Of course I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it to my close friends. Nadine, uh, Nadine, Dan, you, you're you saving your note <laughs> right. for last, Nadine. I actually would say, yeah, I feel like you should at least watch it once, just because it is, I guess because it's a staple from when I was a kid. So, like, I'd be like, you may not like it, but, you know, watch it. His art style alone is is really fantastic, and it's something that can be really appreciated. So I would say yes, simply because of his art style, or if you're going to watch it with the kids, you know what I mean? So like it'd, it'd be something that I would say definitely. Okay, so two yeses and Dan. All right, I I don't feel like I can recommend this mo- film just because like, I feel like there's more that I would want out of a movie. I am now friends with only one person in this podcast. <laughs> now, I will say, though, just because of the, the art style and just like kind of how this style of of animation is like i i am kind of curious about other studio ghibli movies to see if they do speak to me a little bit more for me it did open up a a little bit about like what else is going on in this like world of studio ghibli but this movie in particular like i i just didn't it didn't do much for me so i can't recommend it i respect it but i truly disagree it's okay that's what that's what we're here for (laughs) i hate you (laughs) I'm so miffed about you rating this movie a 4. 4 out of 10 on a Studio Ghibli <laughs> masterpiece. You are Sorry, fine. man. Like, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. Like, it just... You know, that's like me watching a... That's like me... What? What's your favorite movie? What's, you know, like... I watch your favorite movie, I give it a 1. Like, this is the worst movie ever. You're gonna immediately... You know, I watch Star Wars, and you're like, yeah... I give it a one. Like it's 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 the worst movie ever watched. You're gonna be immediately pulling out your like whip, and you'll be like, "What you say, just say about my favorite movie?" Like you know what I mean? Like that that's that's the that's the attitude I'm pulling. From this I, right I do. I'm not trying. To, I don't think anything less of you if you like this movie. Like I I understand why people would would be drawn to this movie. I, it's just it just doesn't speak to me. That's that's all I'm saying. All right. Sounds good. All right, Nadine, end it off for us. I'm done roasting down this movie. Like, Alrighty. Like. So, if you guys have any movie recommendations or just want to talk about movies with us, you can find us on Facebook through our private group, uh, Snazzy Podcast. It's S N A S Y Podcast. Or you can email us at she's not a slut yet at gmail.com. I did not update this ending. There's also an Instagram. Uh, it's, I think it's Snazzy Podcast. Same thing, S N A S Y Podcast on instagram if you guys like what you hear please rate review and subscribe it really helps us get out there and have more people find us the just as a heads up the next movie we're going to be reviewing is office space i believe it's dan's pick and it was released in 1999 so definitely make sure to tune in again so that john can tell you how much he hates this movie and dan and i can tell you how much we fucking love this movie (laughs) (laughs) You, you know you're gonna find that a lot of people are probably like me if your your normal viewer is going to be like me, and they're gonna be like, "Man, I love John, but those those other two guys, man, it, I could just talk to only John about a podcast." I John, love it, but John, this Nadine guy and this Nate, 
this Dan person, like their opinions are awful. It's actually funny. We had this conversation earlier. That like yeah. most people are not like you. Most people were like, yeah, I can watch whatever. Like, you know, they probably have more specifics, but they are not nearly as picky as you are, John. Like no one is nearly as picky as you are. <laughs> I am not going to sit my ass down and watch a two hour movie about Arnold Schwarzenegger flexing. But you said you enjoyed it. You said like, you had a good time on. with it. You enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. Stay with basketball. Like, like, <laughs> it made you angry that you, you, you laughed at it, but like you still enjoyed it. It makes me angry that I enjoy parts of these movies and hate the rest. Like, ah. Uh, all right, all right, fine. End <laughs> it off. End it off. All right, guys. See us next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>